and welcome to Portraits of Grief Podcasts. Your host today, and always, Tiffany Bernal and licensed clinical social worker, Tara Storm. Together, we are a griever and a therapist who make up Portraits of Grief podcast and community. So thanks for tuning in, and here we go. Hello and welcome back to Portraits of Grief podcast, your hosts Tiffany and Tara, and we are officially at episode number 18. And today we are joined by another special guest, Lindsay Joy Taylor. Lindsay, thank you for being here and coming on the pod today. I like to say the pod, the podcast. I want to first uh, share a little bit more about you with our listeners and then we'll dive in. Uh, Lindsay Joy Taylor is a grief advocate and founder of the Joyful Jewelry Box. Lindsay's mom died when she was only 13 months old, so now she keeps her mother's memory alive by helping other bereaved people with remembrance keepsakes and community grief support. She also writes and speaks to normalize grief and raise awareness about the lifelong impact of traumatic loss. You can follow Lindsay along on her Instagram at the Joyful Jewelry Box or visit her adorable Etsy shop called thejoyfuljewelrybox.com. So thank you. Round of applause for being here. Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tiffany and Tara. You're so sweet. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's nice to connect. And um, community is just such a big part of my, you know, grief process that I love to connect with other grief communities as well. So thanks for inviting me. And grief can be so isolating. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story with us. And um, and it's also nice to have that visual too, to see to see you, but then also see your Etsy shop. It's, it's really cool to, to see the community um, visually as well as on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that, you know, um, as the com- grief community grows, um, it's... it's it's a double-edged sword. You don't want to see it grow. And yet I'm so grateful to see so many people sharing their, their experiences. And naturally I very much understand people want to, some people are very private about that. And I respect that journey, but it's such a different layer to be able to see the faces and connect the stories and all those pieces together. So yeah, I appreciate that. We're uh, we're big on saying that grieve alone is that's a big myth and yeah. we do not subscribe to the grieve alone method. <laughs> No, and not at all. And what's so ironic about that is how much it it convinces us otherwise, you know, that I feel like that's um, a cornerstone. Like you said, it's so isolating, but it's really sort of had to like beat it into our heads in terms of I may feel alone and um, may even be, you know, if you're not surrounded by company, but we really generally are never alone in terms of people who are walking in this pain with us. And uh, it's, it's a big source of comfort once you can find that space that you can tap into. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, Lindsay, so can you kind of, I know you have your grief story and I haven't officially heard it. So can you walk us back and share your story with us? I know with your, your beloved mother, Joy, right? Absolutely. That's actually my middle name, but that her name is Marty, but that is a big piece of my journey and story that we will talk about. Um, But yes, as you shared in the intro, so my name is Lindsay Joy, and tragically, my mother was killed when I was only 13 months old, and so it's a very strange concept in some ways. I don't know anything different than grief and loss, and in other ways, um, 
I don't know who I grieve. I don't know who I miss. I don't know who she was. You know, I don't have any explicit memories of her. And certainly I, I absolutely believe that that mother daughter bond and, um, those implicit memories and the attachment that I developed with her, but it's a really strange concept to feel so preoccupied for lack of better term with somebody that I didn't have a relationship with, with somebody that I didn't, um, I mean, obviously in that season of life as an infant, she was my source of life and I relied on her every day. And so that's why it's such a massive loss. Um, but, but in terms of life as in general, like I said, not knowing any differently, it's, it's strange to not have had that developed relationship with her um, as a source of support throughout life's milestones and whatnot. And so um, that's sort of long-winded way of saying, you know, certainly I struggled as a child and growing up, but many way, in many ways, I don't think that I really started to actively grieve her death until I was a young adult. Um, and as I get older and sort of unpack all of that and do more work and um, more emotional work with my grief, I mean, and then also the grief work with, um, in my advocacy, um, it just, I realized how much I've missed out on and how much she missed out on and how it continues to impact my life forever, <laughs> you know? And, um, it, fortunately, I, I think for lack of a better term, um, I was spared a lot of the insensitive things growing up. I think that the tragic nature of her death and whatnot, um, people didn't generally try and explain those things away with platitudes, but you still sort of intuit a lot as a child and what society expects of you. And, you know, and as I got, as I said, once I got into this work, it, it's really been important to me to challenge a lot of those myths and those lies and those concepts that I, um, learned that the world relied upon so strongly um, well such said. A, you yeah. know in terms of like the five stages of grief or that um it's time to move on or that it gets better after the first year or everything happens for a reason or you know insert you they're they're endless <laughs> the types of ex the explanations and like i said uh generally people have been um kind in that way but it's still you absorb these things you still have a very deep understanding of what people sort of think inside of their mind about um, someone who is grieving their mother <laughs> 37 years later and very vocally. So at this point, you know, you know what I think is fascinating is that what I hear a lot when people um, come in for therapy, let's say they're like, I just had this intense emotional loss. How long will it be till I'm <laughs> Oh, you know, they're like looking at their calendar and they're like, when, when will I get better? I need, I need a time frame. And what's interesting, Lindsay, is that you didn't have an event as an adult and you want to get better. You've been, it's like a muddy water that you're like, I'm going to be swimming in this for literally ever. Like, like you, I don't know if there's a moment in your life when you realized this is forever. This isn't, this is my, I'm grieving. I'm a griever. I don't know if that makes sense. How I'm It saying. absolutely makes sense. That taps into, um, sort of a difficult memory. And yet it was a big turning point for me. And honestly, I don't know if I would be doing this work if, I mean, certainly this experience and all of my life has led me here, but what I'm about to tell you was a big pivotal point for me. So, um, 
you know, my, I had two older siblings, an older brother and an older sister. And my sister and I were very close. She became very much a mother figure for me and moved away to college and started her counseling journey and digging through her grief um, at that season, in that season of life. And it was generally, you know, a helpful experience for her. And so I sort of followed suit in her footsteps. When I was in college, I went to Cal Poly. And um, so I think it was my third year. And, you know, knowing what I know now, um, I actually went to, I, I've earned my degree. I have my master's in counseling psychology and thought I was going to be a therapist as well. Found that that wasn't quite the right fit. So I, I focus on advocacy now. So now in hindsight, I know so much better <laughs> what was happening at the time. Um, you know, it's short-term modeled. It's really, um, their hands are tied in a lot of ways. And yet what happened with this therapist was really a very traumatic experience. You know, you go in, they do the intake and ultimately she says, what are you dealing with? And, and at the time I knew I was grieving my mother, but I was focused much more on um, rifts with my father, um, relational challenges there. And ultimately she didn't finish the session with me and basically said, what we're dealing with is in hindsight. Now I understand traumatic loss. I can't help you in the time frame that we have. Here's a list of referrals to go find another therapist. And um, in that moment, I felt so broken, right? In the sense of like, well, if I had the skills or the resources to go find somebody long-term, I would have done that. Basically, you've just said that I'm so broken that no amount of short-term help can help me. Oh, and you didn't even, like, make sure that I'm not suicidal, you know? There were so many layers of this experience that basically said, ah, <clears throat> I don't want to put words in her mouth, but how I felt, you know, sure, yeah. let me rephrase. How I felt was very broken and, like, well, you should have dealt with this by now. And since you didn't, we can't help you in this amount of time. So see you later. Right. And it planted a seed in me. Ultimately, you know, um, unfortunately, I think a lot of people have negative first experiences with therapy. And that's just part of the process. You know, I think knowing that ahead of time that we, we need to go in there, understanding that we're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us about our background, you know. Um, but ultimately, I. It just planted a seed in me in terms of really wanting to reset the narrative. Right. In terms of this concept of grief and grief recovery and that grief is um, not an illness, but more of um, what's the word I'm looking for, Tara, help me. <laughs> normal. <laughs> well, yeah, normal but I, mean, I wanted to say it's a normal reaction. Uh, absolutely. But you know, that, that they were insinuating that there was something wrong that I was still dealing with this. Um, well, I, and I, I hear people say that too, like, oh, that loss is so traumatic. That's out of scope for me. Or that's, you know, they're going to need a lot more work. And exactly. it's like, well, why don't you ask them what they need? Exactly. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you. You were coming in saying, I'm having rifts with my father, if that's a presenting issue. Mm -hmm. Now we could tease out the layers and the core beliefs and all of that stuff. Um, but what I, I would feel the same way. Like I would hear you're too broken. And I, I don't have the time. Like I would feel Basically. very dismissed. Exactly. Totally dismissed. I'm exactly. sorry. You had the experience. It's awful. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. It ended up, you know, leading, I don't mean to glorify and say it was worth it in no way was it, but it planted a different seed in terms of really, like I said, needing to change this narrative, even to the very profession that was supposed to be understanding of it. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely.
I'm curious, Lindsay, like walking back to, you know, childhood or toddlerhood even, how old, can I ask how old you were when you learned that your mother died and how that was delivered to you and how, how that affected you as a little girl growing up? I mean, I know there's probably other people listening that can, you know, maybe relate in some way. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, it's kind of strange because I don't have any specific memories of being told. That's another layer of really where I just sort of intuited. I don't have a mother. <laughs> I mean, take that with a grain of salt. Of course I have a mother. She was very important and will always remain that way. But um, in terms of, you know, seeing other children and other families, I just understood that that wasn't something that my family had. Um, it was confusing, but I, I didn't, I don't remember necessarily asking specific questions. Um, certainly there was a grown up version, you know, in terms of the messy details and how, um, you know, unfortunately my dad and was traveling with us kids and we were visiting my aunt who was moving. My mom had just started a job and was working the graveyard shift at the hospital. And when she came home, the house was being burglarized and they killed her when she walked in. And so that sort of grown up version, I remember being told that when I was 16 and that was jarring. Did you <laughs> ask? Lack did of you, a better term. Did yes you initiate that conversation? Yes and no. It was sort of one of those situations. It was actually my sister's college graduation. And so extended family was around that we, you know, meaning my, my mom's sisters and um, they lived out of state. And so there really was an opportunity to sort of have these heavy family powwows, if you will. And so naturally when we get together, it gravitates towards talking about mom and who she was and, and those things. And then I think there's the, the trauma bonds and um, you know, the both positive and negative parts of that, that lead to those discussions always coming out. And so um we ask questions during the discussion, if you will. Um, and it was really heavy. You know, honestly, it feels like in hindsight, just a very shocking experience, right? It feels almost like a dream. I feel very removed from it. And yet it's this strange quality of that. I don't know any different. Um, and so that's a really another strange experience in terms of, um, you know, obviously everybody grieves differently and everybody's experience is very individual and unique. And yet there's these, these concepts in grief of like before and after who I was before my loss and who I am after my loss or, or this is what happened when I found out or this is what happened when it happened. A lot of those things are really removed from me. And so it's a strange, <laughs> it's a strange, um, it's just the, the only word that keeps coming out. It's a paradox, you know, it's something that is fills every moment of my life. And yet I feel very separated from it at the same time. Do you, um, do you have like a movie of that in your mind of that story? How do you mean like looking back on the, that moment or sort of like, the, like the when they told you what happened, were you still living in that house? No, although okay, we does, did. Yeah, although we did um, for six years after. And, you know, people do have questions about that. Certainly I can't speak. I mean, we were children. 
Um, so certainly it feels stranger looking back as an adult, as opposed to as a child, I don't remember having walking around feeling scared okay. in that home per se. In fact, that's a great question. Although, um, growing up <laughs> later on, you know, as, as, as there are memories that I can access, I absolutely grew up feeling afraid of burglars and intruders yeah, as opposed yeah. to monsters under the bed. Right. And so that's how I do know that I figured details out um, early on. I don't know that there was ever a sit down and um, this is what happened. Um, although this I know the that there was a quality of that with my brother and my sister, they were seven and nine when it happened. And, and again, you know, I think they, they got the appropriate child version. Um, I don't know the language that, that was used per se. Um, meaning, were they very direct in terms of that she died or did she pass away? Things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will say for me, you know, that has been a journey like growing up. I, I certainly used softer language and now I'm much more direct and I'm much more forthright about what happened. Um, not to play the martyr or the victim, but that's what happened to her. And I spent most of my life sort of softening my reality for other people. So now it's very important to, you know, and as I've learned how that impacts children and, um, and how those euphemisms can really be less helpful than they're intended over time. Um, it's really important to me to be much more direct about she was murdered violently was murdered this yes wasn't she didn't pa pass away it, no, you know it was absolutely well you know one of the number one emotions that children have that people don't like to acknowledge is fear and i can absolutely imagine that your older siblings had that emotion um and parents your your dad might have been very uncomfortable with kids having fear which is normal reaction yet as a parent, we don't want our children to have that, that emotion. And so we want to make that go away. So we do try to like soften it and it's complicated. Mm -hmm. It's so complicated. Oh, that's a really intuitive point. And I almost think that he went to the other extreme in terms of really trying to help us face fear and toughen up and be strong in the face of anything really. And, um, you know, there's both positives and negatives to that. Um, Years, yeah, and it's hard as a parent, and I have a six-year-old. If she's scared, for me to validate that she's allowed to be scared, mm -hmm. which is tough, because the first thing I want to say is, "Don't be scared," of right? Course, Yet there are being scared is a an emotion like happiness or sadness, absolutely, and and that it needs acknowledgement more than anything, right? Like, of course, we, you know, you as the the adult and the parent and and the person providing that safety in the moment, you can you have that insight to be able to say, no, 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 and yet, right, we have the understanding that the most often the most important part is the acknowledgement and holding space for that. And then we can move through it. Right. As opposed to resenting it or resisting it. And then it's just like, you know, double time on that. So yeah. Then I, well, then I won't, then I'll just fake it or I'll pretend I'm not scared and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be ice. I'll isolate. Exactly. Exactly. So another thought I have, um, so many people I've noticed when they, they share about a loss, their friends or their, you know, acquaintances, they'll say, Oh, were you close? So like if I say my grandma died, mm -hmm. one of the first re questions is, oh, were you close? Mm -hmm. It's like being close gives us permission somehow to grieve. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, again, with your 
your specific loss and story is that, you know, you could plainly see that being close or not isn't the permission to grieve because absolutely (laughs) so true. You know, Tara, I've never quite put those people, of course I've thought about both, but I've never quite put them together that way. Um, but that's absolutely true, right? It's sort of a classification for them in terms of, well, how justified is it for you to feel the way that you do so that I can understand how to operate moving forward, right? And yet you you nailed it in the piece of, sort of what I was saying before, that people under sort generally (laughs) understand the tragic nature of not only um, her violent murder, but, you know, all that was lost and in our relationship. Right. And, and that there was literally an infant left to sort of be like, what the hell just happened, you know? And so, um, it's so funny to have those two pieces and sort of say, but if you can hold space for me and my story, how, (laughs) why do we need to hold, why do we need to be asking these questions over here? Why can't we just hold that empathy and that compassion for the loss you said hurts you, (laughs) you know? Cause I would imagine I'm sitting here thinking of uh, some, Losing your mom at 13 months old, do you have people or did you have people in your life or in your life that kind of, yeah, I guess what we're just saying, say, oh, it's not that bad. You didn't even, you know, almost say you didn't know her when really it's your mom. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, and not, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I, and then no, go just, ahead. I'm just curious, like your day to day growing up, like your curiosity to learn more about Marty, mm-hmm. your mom. I love that name, by the way. I think of the movie Grease, Marty. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yes. Okay. So the first part of the question you said. um, I guess just people in your life dismissing it, dismissing the loss. They didn't. And yet what's interesting is what I got a lot of was how resilient I was, how I'm Mm. the strongest kid they knew. And um, that, you know, the intention absolutely was to build me up and to be encouraging. And That's I a lot of pressure. That's a lot yeah, of pressure, and I identified it? with that most of my life, right? That I am adaptable, that I can overcome anything. And ultimately, there were things that I adapted to that I shouldn't have. There were things I started to overcome that I shouldn't have had to, you know. And so it, it wasn't the intention, I don't believe. But again, there's all, all these underlying you know, beliefs and motives just because we're humans and we like order and predictability and all these things. But that was what I took from it. Um, once I grew up and sort of could, could look outside of it in this lens of like, yes, of course I'm resilient, but that doesn't replace my need to grieve my mother. Right. I can be both. Um, so Tiffany to, to go back to that, not directly, but it felt like a roundabout way in terms of, I only have space for the good, strong, parts of you that are, that can overcome it and all the rest, I don't know, take it somewhere else is, is sort of how I felt. Um, and the second part of your question I loved because, you know, I de- my mother is very much a mystery to me in a lot of ways still and always will be, you know, so much of, I mean, everything <laughs> um, outside of maybe, you know, my the letters of hers that I'm so lucky to have that have been given back to me from other people. You know, she's very much as a mystery and I know her through the stories that I've been told. And some of them I've been told from several people and they don't always match up because we're humans and memories and those things. Um, And so as a child, what I specifically did to sort of figure out who she was, though I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time. 
I would play in her jewelry box, not like play dress up, but I would literally, you know, go grab her box from my dad's office and I'd hide under the pool table and I'd pull out my favorite pieces and pick the, you know, pick and choose and hide them in my hiding spots. And it just was like part of my process. And so, you know, as a kid, I just thought I was playing and there's an element of that, right? The, the play therapy in terms of really trying to process who I am and what my life is and all of those things. Um, and then as I grew older and not only it started to unpack my grief, but also the education, I was able to kind of put all those pieces together and sort of say, oh, wow. <laughs> I was already sort of naturally processing these pieces long before I ever realized. Um, or that feels like an obvious statement, but now I could point to things that, that I was doing to, to achieve that, if you will. Um, but what's funny is I didn't even realize that until I started my company, the joyful jewelry box. Um, so, uh, it's been seven and a half years now. And at the time I was working in mental health, which I absolutely loved. I worked at a, a nonprofit in the area. Um, and I thought that was going to be long-term. That was after I'd sort of pulled the plug on. I finished my my uh, master's program, but did, decided not to pursue internship or licensure. Um, and I loved it. But unfortunately, you know, funding pulled my position. And I was, we just bought our first house. We just moved, all these sort of life things. And I was like, okay, what do I do to sort of fill this season of transition to be able to help my, support my family and be flexible in these things? I had had an old hobby of making jewelry. I reconnected with another designer online happenstance. And through that process of opening my Etsy shop and wanting to figure out what the name was, that was when all these pieces came together, right? It was like, I always knew that I wanted to help people in some way. I always knew that I wanted to carry my mom's message and memory on in some way. And this was sort of the way to bridge all those pieces together. But it's sort of like it all unfolded in front of me, you know, it's sort of funny in terms of how life can feel, um, not random, but just sort of, you know, we're reacting to life a lot of times and then we still end up maybe where we were going to end up in the first place. Um, and so that's a long winded answer of sort of, you know, through childhood jewelry was a big piece of it. And so that is the thread that pulls me through to today. Well, it's so meaningful. I mean, just the name, the, you know, the, I think people, we look at jewelry, like it's a, it's, it's jewelry, yet mm -hmm. there's so much meaning behind it. Um, and, and then the name, the joyful jewelry box where you're including, um, well, and my daughter's middle name is Joy too. So that's just one of my favorite words in general. Oh my God. Uh, I love it. Yay. Yeah. So um, what was your first piece? My first piece was a brass heart uh, pendant necklace, actually, and I still have it in the shop. And it's one of my favorites. It's a rustic because in the beginning, I didn't necessarily start. I should I should clarify. So now I make remembrance jewelry um, and gifts for grief and loss. And so in the beginning, like I said, I was really sort of just scrambling with my hobby and it was much more of um bohemian chic type pieces but honestly it's one of my favorite pieces because of the meaning behind it um is the pearl of my heart and um it very much <laughs> is a nod to the remembrance of memorial jewelry even though that wasn't the intention in the beginning 
And I do want to specify and sort of clarify about the name because in terms of, you know, grief and loss and trauma, I could see if people not knowing my story um, coming across the name and not understanding or feeling like that's trite. And so it's actually very intentional and part of, you know, my grief story with my mom in the sense that Tiffany, like I said earlier, my middle name is Joy. And when I was born, you know, my family's going through a really stressful season that I've been told about. And um, it was really important to her to name that my middle name be Joy to sort of represent or this is my interpretation of it, right? To really represent that we can experience joy in spite of these hard times, right? That we can experience both of them. And um, and even more so, I, I really didn't connect with that growing up at all. Um, I resented it, quite honestly, in a lot of ways. I was understandably so. I felt like I was sort of a jaded, angry child because of all, <laughs> because. So, um, you know, it was something that I really actually resisted for a long time. And then as I started to unpack these pieces and sort of say, okay, what do I want to name this? How do I include my mom? Um, and that was really sort of how it all came together in terms of remembering, you know, it's sort of funny, all, you know, all good ideas happen around water. And I was in the bath one night and I was like, well, how just sifting through all of these pieces. And then it sort of all clicked the joyful jewelry box, right? It, it touches on that story of um, the intention and the lesson that she taught me, right? But that I don't think either one of us knew I would even need to have and then connecting it with not only the actual work that I'm doing, but um, the way that that the jewelry, her literal jewelry box helped me um, process the loss of her. And so, you know, it's very special to me, not in a toxic positivity, we'll get through this kind of way, but really um, that she, she gave me permission. <laughs> she gave me permission before she was even gone to honor those good parts of my life. You know, um, obviously I can hold this space for the grief that I have over everything around her death, but, you know, she really taught me that embracing joy in the ways that I can is a way to honor her. Um, and so it's sort of a full circle, just very intentional name in that way. You know, I like, I like how you said earlier, like you can have both, like you can have hardship and joy. You can have both. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there's a difference. I think we tend to, I call them like those silver lining statements. So if mm -hmm. I say, um, you know, if someone says, oh, my, my husband tragically died. Oh, well, at least you had good insurance. Like they, they say these like, well, <laughs> yes, that's not what you want to hear. Thing. Yeah. And so there's the difference between a silver lining. Uh, you're uncomfortable with grief. So you want to say the positive that's different than holding space for joy and hardship at the same time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and that honestly, I, I dare I say for all grievers, as much as it's very different for all of us, you know, that it reminds me of the quote that like after loss, every moment, every happy moment will also be a little sad. Right. You know, that there's this quality that That's they will always live side by side. Like my, my wedding day was one of the happiest days of my life. And yet it was so fucking sad, excuse me, but to not have my mother there. I'm sure the same for both of you and your children. Um, or excuse me, Tiffany, I know, but Tara, I don't know. Um, your specifics, but really to be raising children without your mother, without their grandmother, who would adore them, right? You know, there's so much 
more going back to the day that they were born, right? The joy that I imagine you felt, and yet she should have been there. Um, and so it's so interesting how much we think we have to pick and choose or how much the world thinks that it can't, mm-hmm. that it's not all one big roller coaster mixed together, you know? So it's so true. Yeah. I'm like, preach it, sister. <laughs> it's so true. I know, we- <laughs> other client, um, she posted something. Uh, I didn't see it, but she was telling me about it. She posted something on Facebook or something that said, um, just because I'm smiling doesn't mean that I'm also like grieving. Like, yeah. so when you see me smiling, there's, there, there's, and someone commented, wow, I hope you're getting help. <laughs> like, thanks a lot. <laughs> because I have moments of sadness doesn't mean I, so then there's a, oh, are you going to a therapist? Like, like you need help. Yeah. When the reality is, no, this is my reality. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not broken. And I'm, I'm grieving. Mm-hmm. And actually, this is a healthy response, right? right? It's honestly, this is actually a healthy response. So not only do I have the struggle of like honoring this healthy response, not to uh, peg unhealthy responses and grief. I don't like to do that. Um, if we're not harming ourselves or other people, right. You know, you do you, but, um, but I think that that sort of points to maybe what their approach would be for themselves. And for me, I'm not interested in denying my feelings. That's just not my approach for who I am and, and those things that helps for some people. Right. And I honor that, but um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, It's hard because sometimes there's those folks that just are friends or people around you that they don't know how to react to that when you truly say, you know what, I'm not okay. And this is how I really feel. And, and that's, what's hard too. I think a lot of, relationships change. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced that through your journey, but you know, yes and no. Right. It, I think they've changed as, as I evolve or move into different seasons. Right. What's been more um, interesting as I I'd say, right. Because I, again, I didn't know any different, you know, it was not necessarily something I talked about on the playground or as a teenager or anything. Um, yes. Your tolerance for people's inadequacy or they're like when people don't understand grief, I'm, I'm almost like, well, that's a privilege that you don't, you're uncomfortable with grief. Like, yeah. And so maybe your tolerance for people who have, you know, inability or space for speaking honestly about it or asking questions, you're like, okay, well, you'll be, you won't be in my circle. That's it. For you know. sure. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And it made me feel unseen in some relationships, right? As I started to really unpack these things, and and I get that there was, um, there had to be a shift, right, in terms of the support that they were providing, or, or the, the, the listening that they were doing, or, or, or whatnot. But as time went on, and I became more vocal, and consistent about those things, it made me feel unheard or unseen right but on the flip side of that there have been long-term relationships where you know it was interesting I I had friends that had very intact families right and in hindsight that was probably um you know it was a good thing but also probably a proactive coping skill on, on my part um but as they have matured and experienced more loss, there has been sort of this backtrack in terms of, I had no idea. <laughs> right. And so there's, there's provide in some relationships, there's provided this depth of quality in terms of now I actually do feel seen um, and appreciated for not appreciated. That's not the right word, but you know, I just feel more understood and it helps me sort of be able to provide that space 
again, or, you know, not that I ever removed it for in, in the instances that I'm referring to, but it sort of helped me open back up in terms of like, ah, I do feel understood. I do feel like they see and hear some of this. So certainly all that to say, it certainly has changed my relationships and my connections over time. But again, it's, it's interesting not to be able to have this sort of, um, you know, I think a lot of grievers as I work with them and, and, hear this very black and white let me know if you need anything I'll be there which you know that's not helpful just show up just do something um don't expect the grievers to you know come back and tell you what they need um but so often people say that and then they won't do anything right they just back out and so um I I do know that there's that very stark quality in terms of like this person used to be there for me and now they're not or they said they were going to be there and now they're not. Those are losses Uh, too. Right. Absolutely. Um, And, but that's just another interesting piece in terms of, I feel like my secondary losses are just different or it's just the, 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 again, just the very nature of the phase of life that I was in. It just creates a different, it's all very delayed. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Do you, uh, Lindsay, so you're married now, right? I am married. Yes. So was that kind of a, part of your checklist was that your partner would be comfortable in your grief and asking about your mom so that the memory could, her memory could be, you'd hold space for her in your house. Now I'm just curious about that. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate you asking that. We actually just celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary last week. So, Hey, yeah, I know it feels like a, you know, um, a big deal. (laughs) I, my husband is awesome, but you know, what's interesting is, and we've talked about this. I would say I wasn't actively digging through my grief or I certainly wasn't doing the grief work component, right? I was in therapy. I knew that this was a big void in my life. Um, but certainly in terms of talking about it and, and actively keeping her memory alive and really needing him to understand what I believe about grief and, and how I need that kind of support, we've had to learn how to do that together, right? Um, but I also, too, think that I had, um, and he's been wonderful, right? It's been a learning curve for both of us. But, you know, again, just going back to what I've heard from other people and some of these horror stories, sometimes their partners just cannot get on board and it's just devastating. Um, and I'm really grateful that that hasn't been part of our journey. Um, but also, and I hesitate to use this word advantage by any means, but I had the advantage, if you will, that, you know, a lot of people, especially I, I wasn't super young per se. I was 24 when we started dating and then yeah, was 27 when we got married. Um, so if we're speaking generally, I know that like nowadays people are getting married later and later, but ultimately I would say most people didn't experience a lot of early loss per se, or not necessarily. Um, again, I don't want to be so general that way. There are plenty of children who've experienced tons of loss, but I just think that there are many people who get married and lose their parents later right? Or go through some significant type of trauma or stressor that they didn't experience, you know, while they were dating. And then they have to sort of figure that out together. Whereas I at least 
even though I said that's what we did, I at least knew that there was this massive hole, right? That there was going, that there was this person, that this was part of my story, that I needed them to be able to hold space and understanding for that, the trauma that came with it for my family and all that interesting dynamics, right? So there was a piece of knowing that this person needs to be a a grown up, if you will. I didn't do a lot of dating before him per se. Um, and the dating that I did was positive, but ended in the way that they couldn't hold my heavy pieces with me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I just feel like there was an element where I, I knew that ahead of time that that was going to be a significant piece of what I needed in somebody. Um, I don't think that I knew how that was going to look until later, but, um, I think it's interesting for us to say this out loud because anyone who's listening that may be dating um, for them to recognize that that's something to communicate and unapologetically look for and ask Mm -hmm. for in a partner. Absolutely. Absolutely. If that's something that, that is important to you as an individual that you need that support and that acknowledgement. Again, we all grieve differently. And I know that some people that's, that's not their, their preference, but I, for me, that is, and I think that that's absolutely a huge piece of, um, having some of those hard, heavy conversations ahead of time, because like I, like I tapped on, there are so many people who have that, that added loss in terms of not only the changed connections outside of their, their immediate circle, but even in, you know, their marriages and with their remaining parents or their siblings, et cetera. I always like to ask our, our guests and just about signs, because a lot of times folks who have lost and remember their loss, maybe they'll experience signs or see butterflies or what have you. What is that like for you, if it is at all? It is very much so. Thank you, Tiffany. That's actually a huge part of my journey and, and probably a, not probably, it is a big foundation of um the keepsakes that I make. So our family symbol for my mom is dragonflies. And that actually didn't come about until at least 20 years after she had been gone. Um, And so I like to sort of point that out to people again, because as we put so much expectations on ourselves or as society does, you know, it can close us off to some things and it just was, um, I just think that things can unfold at any time, (laughs) you know? And so I sort of love that. I mean, would I have loved to have had that symbol sooner? Absolutely. But I sort of love that we were open to it that long later and um, the healing um, that sort of come out of that. Right. And so that's, you know, the, the foundation of, I take other people's symbols and like you said, butterflies, dragonflies, ladybugs, hawks, all those different types of meaningful experiences. And um, I'll pair them with initials and birthstones. And and so not only is it sort of honoring that spiritual connection that you have with them out in the world, but it's literally like a little tangible piece that you can touch and, and really take that sign with you everywhere you go. You know, I, um, maybe I'm liberal with my signs, but you know, as time has gone on and I've gotten more comfortable with them, I, it's not just, you know, lady, but or dragonflies like landing on my car or anything like it can be a post you saw on Instagram. It can see a logo you saw on a door. You know what I mean? It's really there. 
they're all around us. And that's been a huge part of really sort of creating memories for me with my mom that I didn't have the ability to develop with her. I can sort of reflect on these trippy experiences when dragonflies showed up at just the right time or just the strangest way and sort of look back on the memory of feeling like my mom's spirit was with me or nudging me or, you know, and so developing the memories with her in that way. Um, and so it's evolved over time. Um, not only because I feel like I'm more open to it in my work, but, um, I sort of, I sort of take, take liberty with all the signs, <laughs> you know, if something feels special or significant uh, to me. I, you know, I always sort of nod uh, to my mom and lately Brandon and I are both noticing flickering lights and it's not, you know, the bulbs aren't needing to be replaced yep. yet. And it's always just the right time, it right? Is. It's not like every dragonfly ever or every, you know, it's very much a timing sort of this. There'll be a moment or something. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. It's, it's sort of that just quality of there you are. Yeah. Um, I usually get the chills sometimes too. I don't know if you've ever yeah, experienced absolutely. that. But. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, down your back mm-hmm. and um, or down my back. And, you know, it's in no way a suitable replacement by any means. But God, thank goodness for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in your shop, this is just side note, but you, it's really cool. You took your mom's handwriting, right? To do yes. some of the hats. So... Was that from a letter? You mentioned letters. And what were those letters? Or Yes, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so actually, you know, especially given the times, you know, she was a young mother in the 70s and early 80s. And um, my family wasn't struggling by any means, but she was very frugal. And, and so it's funny, she wrote a lot of letters in, in speda, instead of spending money on long distance. Like she would always talk uh-huh. about that in these letters. Um, and unfortunately, um, when I was in high school, our family house burned down. And so we lost most of her belongings. Um, by the grace of God, her jewelry box was not, it did <clears throat> I should rephrase. So we lived in a three-story house. The top two, they burned. The bottom was just damaged from like smoke and fire extinguisher and stuff. And so thankfully it was downstairs. We were able to save that. We were able to save her hope chest. But yes. So, I mean, in hindsight, right after she died, it makes sense that they would have saved these as mementos. Why they had the, you know, the forethought to save them before she died. I'm not sure, but thank God. And so one aunt, um, when I was a teenager, put together a little album of the letters that she'd written to her when she was pregnant with me, which is just sort of blows my mind. Um, And sort of the first year... (laughs) the only year, sadly, um, that we had together. And so in one of the letters, she specifically wrote, like she was talking about just baby things about me and then sort of ended it with, she is my joy and underlined it. And uh, it just was so touching. And it was interesting because she always underlined joy, right? And so, you know, kind of touching back onto the name and, and really delving into the meaning of, of really owning these different pieces and really sharing that memory with the world and trying to give other people permission to do the same. Um, and actually I got, I I got a tattooed on my wrist. (laughs) And so then I wanted to be able to, you know, have that out in the world. And so I had hats embroidered with it and, uh, it's really freaking cool. Not only because of course I could sort of like literally wear her in the world. Um, but sort of the meaning that other people have assigned to it, or, you know, it, um, again, it's very bittersweet, but 
I've been getting groups of friends who have been buying them for their friend, a friend who was just diagnosed with cancer is going to go through chemo or another person the other day, she had a fear of flying and sort of talked about how joy is on the other side of fear. And, and so it's really been just so neat to not only have done that myself, like to have brought it to life, if you will, but to random, like randomly be online, <laughs> you know, and see people out living their lives and like they're all of a sudden is my mom literally like in the world still. So, um, thank you. It's very special to me to just on so many different levels in that way. There's so much meaning to your story. I mean, it's all tied together. Your, your childhood home burned down and then the jewelry box was there and it's literally what you're doing all day, every day now. It's your, you know, would you call it your purpose? I don't know to help others. And so it's just, it's, it's special. It's very special. And the fact that you're still keeping alive your your mom's memory, um, because I would think it, I don't know, I look at it and I'm like, wow, that, it takes a lot of work and just so much heart to do it. So it's really special. And what are some of the ways, this might sound a little cliche, but speaking of joy, what are some things you do to bring joy into your life? Or if you could say some things to encourage our listeners. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, and this might sound cliche, but honestly, providing support to other grievers and keeping my mom, my mother's memory alive really brings me so much joy that I, I can't quite articulate because, um, because I sort of, ha- it's sort of touching back on what I said earlier, like the grief will always exist. It's there, right? It was the joy that I was always struggling with. And so it feels like a win for lack of a better term to sort of come in and say, grief may, ha- <laughs> grief may have got me, but I can sort of, you know, fight back in this way or, or hold the, the space for both. And so um, it really does just like I said, to sort of see those pieces and those moments unfolding, it really does. Um, but outside of that, you know, life is a little weird these days. I know we're slowly transitioning into, um, definitely won't say normalcy, but you know, a little bit more freedom, uh, concerts, music, live music was such a big, huge part of my, um, my life. My And, you know, it, it feels trite to say my grief journey, but I've learned, especially having it removed <laughs> from my life this past year, um, it really was a big piece of how I sort of like process things and got like sh- danced it out of my body and really sort of touched into the emotional quality of, of what music does for me. Um, and so it, that was a huge piece. I'm, I've actually sort of challenged myself this year to I, I feel like I resigned myself to like well if there's no life music it is what it is and I just have not been listening to enough so I've decided actually I'm like I need more music joy uh yeah (laughs) yes absolutely but you know um going to the beach too I love going to the beach that's why I you know I decided to go to Cal Poly it's on the coast of California and just you know had the forethought to not leave and um it brings me a lot of joy to live here and to be able to go to such a, a soothing place for me. But outside of that, even more specifically, you know, another thing tying all together is actually my mom's best friend, um, 
well, she still lives here. But when my mother was alive, she lived here. And so my mom had actually spent a lot of time in this area, would come to visit her all the time. And so there's actually certain spots along the coast that I actually feel like I'm connecting with her. I'm literally looking at the same scenery that she did. And so I just trying to tap into the simple things, you know, that sounds kind of uh, silly, but for somebody like me (laughs) who (laughs) resented or resisted joy and, and all, you know, almost thought that the pain was my purpose, if you will, it, Mm -hmm. it really, it, it feels like a big deal when I can tap into those simple everyday things, right? Because I feel like we kind of hold off to in, in grief. We feel like we wait till these big milestones happen. And it's like, no, I can actually create those tiny moments now by cooking my mom's recipes or using her plates or carrying on her traditions or things like that. So um, I just try and keep it kind of simple. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's all we need sometimes. Exactly. Simplicity. Exactly. I love how you said that. If, you know, joy didn't come easy Mm. for you. And so to enjoy a simple moment isn't simple. That's huge. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you articulating that. Right. It it feels silly to say, unless you're somebody who identifies and and can experience has experienced that yourself but (laughs) the effort that has gone into finding ease is tremendous right yeah um yeah thank you i feel like after this past year too i experienced that that. just refinding the little joys of having Mm -hmm. a cup of coffee at a coffee shop or what have you it's like i will never take the little simple joys in life again for granted that's for sure absolutely yes i think if I was around live music, I'd be like the, I mean, that'd be like such a cool experience because it just, we haven't, I, I can't, I haven't heard live music in over a year. That's no, yeah. no. Um, a couple months ago, my husband and I were um, picking up food at a coffee shop that's sort of local, whatever. The point is, it was all to go, but they had a musician playing in their little gravel parking oh, lot for the cool. pickups. And we literally sat there and just had like a this moment. This is awesome. Like, really though, it was like, I forgot what live music sounded like. Oh it gosh. really was just like this. <laughs> we kind of wanted to cry. You know, it was funny, but not funny at all. Um, so yes, definitely will not take those small moments for granted. Like it intensifies what's already enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're like dry sponges. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went to dinner with a girlfriend last week and there was live music at the restaurant. And I just like, I lost it. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's what music. That? What is that? I, I don't know, even right? remember. <laughs> like, it was this alternate reality or something. It was, it was cool. But What is this energy yeah. I'm feeling? Seriously. That's cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for taking the time. And I want you to so share with us where we can find you, where listeners can find you. I know at the Joyful Jewelry Box on Instagram. I'm already, I'm already putting stuff in yeah. my cart. Um, like, yeah, I want to get a hummingbird awesome. necklace. I got a. You have those, right? The hummingbird. Yeah, I think you do. I'll check. Yes. I'm gonna get yes. one. Thank you. You're so sweet. Um, so yes, you can find me on Instagram at the Joyful Jewelry Box. That is where I provide my community grief support and. Um, really where you can often find me. Um, certainly I'm elsewhere online, but that's where I feel most comfortable. 
my shop is thejoyfuljewelrybox.com. Um, and like I said, I, I focus on remembrance jewelry and, and keepsakes, but I also have some apparel. I also do gifts for grief and loss. And then um, another near and dear thing to me or product, if you will, is the grief affirmation deck. Um, not a toxic positivity tool by any means. In fact, um, these are the exact affirmations that I wrote once I was really starting to unpack my own grief and really challenging these lies and these beliefs that society, you know, tells us exist. And so they're very special to me. They, um, they were a huge part of my journey and really, um, a huge tool in giving me the confidence to say what I believe about every, sort of everything I've said today. Um, and so the point is I have a variety of different products, um, but I also do custom orders too. So if you have any questions, you can feel free to reach out to me in my shop. I am just adding as you're talking. I just <laughs> am in love with everything. This is Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Great awesome. work. Thank Beautiful. you. Are those all your collections? I can see where you're sitting. Our listeners can't, but I was just curious. Actually, you know, what, me I all the cool stuff. I <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you saying that. No, that's actually my personal stuff because um, everything else, you don't want it to tarnish or be exposed to the elements too much. So it's all actually packaged away above me. So actually, this is really cool. I'll show you. This is my desk. Oh, wow. It's inside, like built inside the closet. So when my husband that's and I nice. bought this house, the closet didn't have doors. And I wanted to be able to have the rest of the studio to use for packaging and all the things. So we built the desk right inside the, the closet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so anyway, it's all up on the shelf above me, um, packaged away in plastic bags and things. And then a lot of things are made to order as well because um, because everything's so personalized with, you know, your loved one's initials and birthstones and all those types of things. So um, anyway, all that to say, if anybody has any questions, um, Feel free to reach out if there's something you're looking for. If I can't find it or provide it for you, I will send you to somebody who can. So that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as we wrap this up, is there any any last thoughts, ladies? Anything we want to say? No, I loved this conversation. I really appreciated uh, being able to talk take talk face to face with you again, Tiffany, and to meet you, Tara. And I love what you're doing with the podcast. It just the more people having these hard conversations, the less, <laughs> the less alone we're going to feel, right? Um, in terms of really challenging that isolation that that is just so overwhelming. So thank you again for finding value in my story and wanting to share it with your community. I appreciate it. Lindsay, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with Tara and I and to for all of our listeners out there. Hopefully you got something from this special episode today with grief advocate and writer and speaker Lindsay Joy Taylor. Also make sure just to check out her beautiful shop at the Joyful Jewelry Box for keepsakes and remembrance pieces for those who you love near and dear to your heart. Thanks for tuning in. Again, we're Portraits of Grief. You can find us at portraits underscore of underscore grief on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, or you can check us out on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Until next time, we'll talk soon. The music in this episode is courtesy of Zapslat. Zapslat.